Hello and welcome to the Harlow White Healing Stream, the official podcast of Pastor Harlow White and the Harlow White Ministries Outreach Church. We hope you enjoy this message today. These messages are originally from the 1980s when God the Father started to pour the kingdom message into Pastor Harlow White. Today's message is God's Guaranteed to Save Your Family. This message was originally delivered by Pastor Harlow White in January of 1982. Let's hear from Pastor Harlow White before we start this message. Welcome to the Harlow White Healing Stream broadcast. I'm Pastor Harlow White. God ordained my life to be a prophet to people of every nation. God has given me a message that will bring salvation, joy, healing, and prosperity to your life. Powers of evil spirits and curses can be broken from your life as I minister this message today. This message is going to every nation on the earth from 72 satellites. Let faith rise up in your heart as I give you this message. Be healed. Be delivered. Be set free. As you feel God doing a miracle in you today, I want to hear from you. Visit my website, HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com. That's H-A-R-L-O-W-H-I-T-E. HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com. Give me your testimony of what God has done for you through the message I have delivered to you today. I want you to pray about making a donation on my donation page, or you can write to me. That's Pastor Harlow, H-A-R-L-O, White, W-H-I-T-E. Pastor Harlow White, Post Office Box 4695. Post Office Box 4695, write that down. Chicago, Illinois, 60680. Get ready to receive what God has for you today. And now go with me into today's message. Because they may only be ordained to be saved are placed in the place of salvation. That's what it means to ordain, to place. And when you deal with predestination, you're dealing with totally a different realm. Now remember that. Some of you are predestined by God to fulfill the ministry that God has given to you. Not everybody has that. Somebody said, well, what if I'm not one of them that's predestinated? Well, let me tell you something. If you're that worried about it, you're one of them. I had one woman come up and said, Oh, Brother White, am I one of God's elect? I said, Yes, you are. She said, How do you know? I said, Because you're worried about it. <laughs> People that are not predestined and are not elected, they don't worry. You can preach it to them. It's like water off of a duck's back. They come in, go out the same way. Well, good service. Praise the Lord. Come back the next service same way. They never get excited, never change. They just, just saved. That's good. How many believe that's good? Glory. That's better than being lost. And if they're just saved, let them be just saved. We're trying to make preachers out of them. Some of you ladies want your husbands to be as excited as you are. glory. Why? Because you've got a ministry. You want him to feel it. You want him to get a hold of this. And he may not be predestined to the same thing you are. Somebody said, well, I don't think that women can be and husbands not. Don't tell me that. God can use women. I'm going to believe God can use women. Some people don't believe in women preachers or women teachers or, or they don't believe in women. I don't even know why they have them around. <laughs> I believe women can preach. I believe they can teach. There's no difference in Christ. I mean, no, there's no difference between male and female in Christ. He's looking for a new creation. 
And somebody came along with that scripture said, Paul said, let the women keep silent in the church. You got to understand why he said that. Why? In those days, the women sat on one side of the building, the men sat on the other. And the Spirit of God was doing a lot of new things in those days. And when the women didn't understand what was happening, they would speak up in the congregation and ask their husbands right across the service, uh, what's going on? That's why Paul said, let the women keep silent. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. He was saying, don't let them cause a commotion in the service. He wasn't saying that women couldn't be used of God. Everybody can be used of God. Some women have ministries and their husbands don't have ministries. I believe that if he's the husband he ought to be, he'll, he won't fight that woman with that ministry. Somebody said, well, my husband's fighting me. Well, we'll deal with that later in this meeting. There's an answer. Now let me tell you something else. And we had the preachers that came through teaching that all women should be in total subjection to the husbands. And that... Everything that he wanted, do it. That he will eventually come in. Listen, all husbands won't understand everything that God is doing in your life unless they are predestined with the same predestination that you are. Furthermore, let me tell you something else. Many of us married when we didn't even know one thing about predestination of God. We didn't wait to see if it was God's will, God's plan. Are you still there? So we're trying to get them as excited as we are. And we've had the call on our lives, all of our lives. Don't try to force your family to be Sunday school teachers or uh, preachers or evangelists or uh, try to make something out of them that they're not. God is the one that has to do the calling. Let me tell you this. All God has promised you is that he will save them. Hallelujah. It's his promise to save them and not let them be lost. And he will do it. Now, let me tell you something else. We're in a spiritual battle. This week we're going to send the word of deliverance to the members of your family. That God will break the powers of evil spirits from their lives. Why? Many of them are bound by evil spirits. And let me tell you now that evil spirits do not always stay in people. Jesus said plainly in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. He didn't say when he's cast out. He didn't say when he's cast out. He said when he's gone. What does that mean? Spirits come and go. That's why at times members of your family are as nice as they can be. There are times when those spirits take them over. Somebody said, why would an evil spirit come and go? I want to explain that to you. Evil spirits come and go depending upon the amount of pressure that is being put upon them either by the person who is possessed or by the people who are around them. These devils hate the anointing of God. Demons hate the authority of God. They cannot stand it and tolerate it. And evil spirits can come and they can go. Now someone said, well, what did Jesus mean when he said when he returns... He finds the house empty and swept and garnished. Now let me show you something. There are many people who have been overtaken by spirits. And during this tremendous bondage by an evil spirit that was influencing their life away from God. They got in the presence of people who began to talk with them and work with them spiritually. That person doesn't have to accept Jesus Christ for that evil spirit to leave there. If you make it miserable enough for that spirit, he may leave of his own accord without being cast out. The definition of the word there, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, the definition of the word gone means in the Greek escaped. When the unclean spirit is escaped out of a man. 
Why did he escape? He couldn't stand the anointing. Then, listen to it, when he has come back, when he returns, he finds the house empty. It's evident the person didn't receive Christ. The house is empty, swept, garnished. What was it swept and garnished of? Of the old thoughts of bondage. How can a person sweep out their life and yet be empty? By being around people who influences them in the right direction. Yet unless the person receives the fullness of God themselves, they're still an empty vessel. They're an empty house. They've swept out everything that the devil brought in, but yet they didn't receive the fullness of God. Therefore, the devil can't enter there. Why? Because the person intellectually is going to battle against the devil themselves. What will they battle against him with? They'll battle against the devil with what you have taught them, with what you have told them, not by the power that they possess themselves. There's a lot of people that are trying to battle against the devil by something that someone else has told them. It's not enough. It helps. But you have to possess the power of God yourself. And he said, then he goes and takes with himself seven other spirits, and they enter in. What do they do? They overpower the person. How? Because the fullness of God is not there. When the fullness of God is there, the devil cannot overpower the fullness of God. He can't do it. How many believe that when the fullness of God is dwelling in you, the devil cannot overpower that and enter in and possess you? Members of your family who are being driven by evil spirits and bondages of the devil, that they must be delivered. They must be set free. They can't get saved. They're too bound. They're not going to come to church. They're too bound. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to take the deliverance to them. We have to send it to them outside of the church. It doesn't mean necessarily that they will instantly fall down either. We're going to command those evil spirits to leave their lives where God can begin to talk to them and deal with them. Some people can't even hear God's voice. They're so bound. That's why you try to talk to them and they won't listen. They're so bound they can't hear the voice of God when he speaks. But God is going to break the bondage. He's going to drive back the powers of the enemy by the authority of the word. Now, it's the promise of God to save your family. Now, I'm not going to take time to read it, but you remember of the story of when God delivered Lot from Sodom. When he brought Lot out of Sodom, Lot and his wife, they didn't really want to leave the city. Did you know the next morning the angel had to take hold of their hand and set them outside of the city? The angels literally carried them out of the city. Lot and his wife. Why, his wife was busy packing all the electric curlers and the getting everything together and gathering up, make up and this and that and somebody else packing the suitcase and getting Oh, yes. And brother, the angel said, there's not time for this. And took hold of them and led them out of the city. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers preach about Lot living in Sodom and said he was backslidden because he was living there. I said, if Lot was backslidden because he was living in Sodom, we might be backslidden because we're living in Milwaukee. Doesn't mean Lot was backslidden because he was living in Sodom. Somebody said, what was he doing there? Same thing you're doing in Milwaukee. He was making a living. He had a job there. Probably, besides his cattle out there in the fields, probably was in the salt mining business. You see, Sodom and Gomorrah were salt mining towns. And that's what uh, his wife was looking back at. That's why she turned to a pillar of salt. She was looking back at the wealth that they had left behind. She didn't want to leave all that. It wasn't just the sin. In fact, the Bible says that Lot was a righteous man that vexed his righteous soul daily with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That's what the word says. Lot vexed his soul with the filthy conversation of these wicked people. But God saved him. Now, let me tell you something. He refused to let Lot's wife die the death of those sinners. 
He destroyed the sinners of Sodom with fire and brimstone. Not Lot's wife. Even though she didn't want to leave the city, God refused to let her die the death of the wicked. He set her out of the city. She never did go on and do God's perfect will. She looked back. But God refused to let her die the death of the wicked. Don't expect your family to preach, all of them. But God will refuse to let them die the death of the wicked. How many believe that it's a promise of God that he will save your family? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, here's the key, and I want you to understand this. The key to God saving your family is to put them on the altar before God, and when once they go on the altar, they belong to God from there on. Let me explain what it means to put something on the altar. It means it can never be taken off. Anything that goes on the altar belongs to God. Now, somebody said, well, what altar am I going to put them on? This is a spiritual altar. You don't just carry them into a church and lay them on the altar. That's not where the altar is. The altar is in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. It's a spiritual altar. And you spiritually put them on the altar. And anything that touches the altar belongs to God. It's dedicated to God from then on. That's why Jesus said if you come to the altar with a gift to offer it to God and there remember that you're, you have all against your brother, leave your gift. Why? You can't take it off. And once it goes on, you can't take it off. It belongs to God. When once your family goes on the altar, they can fight all they want to, but they'll never be able to get off. Hallelujah. God has to save them because you have dedicated them to him. Now, understand what this means. This means if you put them on the altar, then God has the right to do whatever he wants to do to accomplish their salvation. Now, some people are not willing to pay that price because the minute you put them on the altar, from that moment, you're saying, Lord, do whatever you have to do to save them. And when God starts putting the pressure on them, honey, some of you want to grab them off of the altar and say, oh, Jesus, help them. Mm -mm. That's not what you do. God will do his will. I'll tell you what I had. I had... One of my relatives had called me some time ago and said, I need to borrow a few dollars. And so I said, well, I said, I'll help you. And I'll send them a little money to help them. A few days later, they called me again, said, I need some money. I said, no, no, can't do it. I said, I helped you the first time, but I can't help you again. Let me tell you why. The reason you're in the condition you're in is because you're not living for God. When you start living for God, things will start changing. Some of you have allowed your ungodly members of your family to keep you broke. Are you still here? You have to bail them out of jail, pay the tickets, DWI tickets. Hello. You have to, they, they will keep you broke, stripped. Why? Because you're paying for their rebellion. God doesn't intend for you to do that. Somebody said, well, I have to manifest the love of God. The love of God is not always manifested in giving their flesh what their flesh wants. That's not always the love of God. That may be sympathy working on your part toward their flesh. Sympathy on your part is not always God's will. It's time for you to take your, pla your place, your rightful place of authority in God and begin to minister to them the word of God, the power of God. By the Spirit. Now understand the spiritual warfare that we're in. I want to explain something to you. And that is that there are two worlds of spirits. Two complete worlds. There is God's world of spirits. God is a spirit. His angels are spirits. People who are baptized in the Holy Spirit are part of God's spiritual realm. That's how we minister to one another. You don't have to be present with someone to minister to them. How many believe you can minister to them by the Spirit? Amen. We become ministering spirits in God's kingdom. Then we have over here the devil's world of spirits. The devil is a spirit. The devil's not a human being. He's not a physical being. He's a spirit. Somebody said, well, don't you think the devil's got a body? No. He's a spirit. 
Hello. Glory. Now, if the devil's not a spirit, he can't be everywhere at the same time, tempting everybody at the same time. He'd have to be in one location. That's why God is a spirit. He has to be everywhere at the same time. Oh, hallelujah. So the devil is a spirit. He's the evil spirit. The opposing power of God. Now remember that. Then in the devil's kingdom are all of these evil spirits, demons, what we call demons. This is a spiritual warfare that we're in. Now because of authority, because of the authority we have in God, we're able to speak the word here. And spirits can hear us speak 2,000 miles away. But he said, well, that's far out. Yeah. Kind of far out. Now, I can't speak to the whole world tonight and deliver them. You know why? Because I have to have a conductor to carry that power. All right. Let me show it to you. This is why Jesus said, if two agree on earth, as touching anything, they shall ask. It shall be done for them. Now look at it. If I could speak to the whole world tonight and deliver them, I would do it. But I can't because I don't have the right to do that except I have a conductor to convey that power to the person to whom I'm speaking. He hasn't given me the right to conduct the power to everybody. How does he do it? He conducts the power to them through someone who is directly connected to that person. Therefore, you as a believer have become the conductor for your own family. That means that we can speak, or anyone who has authority in God can speak the word to a member of your family and bring deliverance to them because you are directly connected to that family. And as the believer in that family, you are directly responsible for their deliverance. Glory. How many believe that if you're a believer, you're the one that's responsible for their deliverance? Oh, glory. That doesn't mean that they're all going to be preachers. Now, remember that. Some of us think they're not getting free just because we don't see them, you know, carrying their Bible around all the time and wearing bumper stickers. It doesn't mean a lot to wear a bumper sticker. Some people have bumper stickers on their cars that says, honk if you love Jesus. And when you honk, they shake their fist at you. <laughs> they forget they had a bumper sticker. Pharisees wore bumper stickers. I saw one the other day that said, if you love Jesus, don't honk, pay your tithes. The Pharisees wore bumper stickers too, you know. Doesn't mean a lot. Somebody said they did. Yeah, they had them on their clothes. They had scriptures sewed in the borders of their robes. They were real religious. Don't expect all of your family to be as excited about spreading the word as you are. God has simply made you the conductor to carry the power to them. Now, if you agree with me in the Spirit, and God has sent me to agree with you, you become the conductor to convey that power to the members of your family. And then we have that gives me the right to speak to them. Why? Because you have the right to agree with me for their deliverance. Glory. How many is hearing what I'm saying? Somebody said, okay, well, does, does that mean then that we can't agree for anyone else? Yes, for people that God has quickened to us by the Spirit that they are ready for deliverance, then we can agree together. It doesn't have to be a member of your family, but you can't agree with me for just everybody walking up and down the street. If we could do it, why don't we do it tonight and get the whole city saved tonight? How many see what I'm saying? You can't agree with me for everybody that's walking those streets tonight. 
You don't have the right. Why? Because they're all not ready to receive what God is about to do. He has to get them ready. But for your own family, you have the right. Because God said if you would believe, your entire house would be saved. That's the promise to you as a believer. Every one of you have the right to believe God for members of your family to be delivered and set free. Now, some of them tonight are bound, tremendously bound. Some of them have two personalities. And uh, we're, today we're seeing a lot of bondages just even in the lives of Christians. Now, let me explain something. I said earlier, if the fullness of God is in you, the devil can't overpower it. But there's a lot of Christians that are not really living in the fullness of God. Why, there are degrees of living in God. I don't want to live in just part of his power. I want to have all of his power. Hallelujah. That's why some Christians have nervous breakdowns. Now you tell me how in the world a Christian that's living in the fullness of God can have a nervous breakdown. Jesus didn't say my nervous condition I'll leave with you. My nervous condition I give unto you. In fact, we have a direct command from Jesus we can't even have heart trouble, not if we fulfill his commandments. He gave us a commandment not to have heart trouble. How many Christians have heart trouble? And we have a commandment not to have it. Somebody said, we do? Sure do. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Come on and help me. Oh, glory. Let not your heart be troubled. Here we are running around with heart trouble. Why? Because we're not accepting the fullness of God and his power. We accept the part that we can be comfortable with. But that's not enough. You see, the power of God has to take over your entire being. I want to deal with this and I'm finished right here. This is why the Bible says, I, don't, I didn't say how long it would take me to deal with this. <laughs> The Bible says to put on the whole armor of God. Why, most Christians have on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's about all they ever put on. The breastplate of righteousness covers your midsection. Right here, it covers the breast. That's the breastplate, covers the midsection of you. Why, there's a lot of Christians running around without the helmet of salvation on. How? It's not your head that gets saved. Your head has to believe you're saved. Not just part of you, but all of you. Every part of you, from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Why, there's a lot of Christians that believe they are saved from sin, but they don't believe they're saved from sickness. Doesn't mean they're not saved just because they don't believe they're saved from sickness. You can be saved and die sick and, you know, go to heaven. Glory to God. We'll let you die sick if you want to. But we're trying to get something better to you. To get you to believe that you are totally saved. Oh, hallelujah. So, now, remember, the Apostle Paul wasn't writing to sinners. He was writing to the, uh, the church in, in Ephesus, to the Ephesian church. When he said, put on the whole armor of God, he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ah, that's the part that covers your heart. Look at it. Your spirit. Right here. Your inner man. Now, the heart is defined in the Bible with the Greek word cardia, which means the thoughts or feelings of the middle. The thoughts, look at it, or feelings of the middle of you. Right here. Some of you hear God's voice in the middle of you. It's hearing him up here in the top of you where we have a problem. Some of you have heard God's voice in the middle of you. But getting your head to accept it is the problem. Because your head will dispute what you're hearing in the middle of you. Why? Because your head is taught something different from what God is teaching you in your heart. And the breastplate of righteousness covers the midsection of you and keeps the devil from attacking your spirit and causing your spirit to sin. 
But that's not all of the armor. He said, you have to have your loins girt about with truth. Now look at it. The loins is the reproductive part of your body. Look at it. Truth. You gird yourself in truth. The part that reproduces life. Put truth on it. Now, the fact is, the doctor may have told you that you have sugar diabetes. And some people act like they're proud of what they've got. I had one lady came to me and said, I've got sugar diabetes. I said, well, how do you know? She said, well, bless God, because I've been to the doctor. I said, well, how, how does he know you got sugar diabetes? She looked at me like I was nuts. She said, he run a blood test. And he said, I got sugar diabetes. I said, well, are you going to believe the blood test or this? This word says you're healed. Now, what are you going to believe? The blood test and what man says or what God says? The Bible said, let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. Come on and help me, saints. Let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, hallelujah. The fact is, you may have pain in your body, but the truth is, you're healed. It's the Word. It's already done. You don't have to, you don't have to wait and pray for it. All you've got to do is just believe it's done. It's the Word. God has already said it. With His stripes, we were healed. Past tense. Already done. Hallelujah. Now look at here, I want to show you something. The devil may be able to give me arthritis, but brother, when he starts trying to give it to Jesus, he's got a problem on his hands. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said, well, would he be giving it to Jesus if he gave it to you? Well, he said, I'm bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and he's living in me. If he's in me, praise God, how's the devil going to give Jesus arthritis? Glory. Now, the way you get a hold of this part is not with the breastplate of righteousness. No, no. The breastplate of righteousness does not make you believe what I'm preaching. The breastplate of righteousness makes you believe if you confess your sin that he's faithful and just to forgive you and to save you. That's what it does. What makes you believe what I'm preaching is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is the piece of the armor that goes on your head. See, the, the devil can't attack some of you right here in your spirit. He just pounds away on your head. Come on. Hallelujah. That's where he's waging his battle. Oh, yes, you'd never go out and sin. Mm -mm. All you do is just sit around and worry. <laughs> Ooh, come on and help me, saints. No, never go out and get drunk. Mm -mm. Don't commit adultery. No, the devil can't do that. No, sir, I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm going to do what God said. And I'm just going to sit right here and worry about my family. Why? Because we don't have on the helmet of salvation. The devil is attacking our head. Now, look here. I believe my head believes that I'm saved. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I believe my toenails are saved. Somebody said they are? Sure they're saved. From what? Sickness. Somebody said, how can your toenails get sick? They can grow in. Oh, glory. If your toenails are well, they grow out. Not in. Somebody said, this is ridiculous. Really? God didn't create your toenails to grow in. Come on and help me, darlings. My head believes I'm saved. Not just my soul from sin or my spirit from sin. My head believes that I am saved from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I believe I'm saved from everything that Adam put on me. Hallelujah. You know what Adam put on us? Sickness, poverty, 
trouble, nerve conditions, heart trouble, death, worrying, dying. Well, my, my, my. There's no wonder that we can't get the victory. Why, all of you know for years all the songs we've been singing have got us ready to die. You ever listen to some of these songs that the church has been singing for all these years? One of them is... Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Somebody said, that's a good song. Mm -hmm, of course it is. And the first verse... The first verse says, if your body suffers pain and your health, you can't regain and your soul is almost seeking in the despair. Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. That's good. Of course, says, leave them there, leave them there, take your burden to the Lord. But wait till you get to the next verse. If the world from you withholds of its silver and its gold and you have to Get along with meager fare. And then after the choir sings that, then the preacher gets up and preaches prosperity. With the choir singing, take your burdens to the Lord. I will listen to the last verse. It's, it's really a doozy. Listen to the last one. When your youthful days are gone and old age comes creeping on and your body bends beneath the weight of care. Hear it? What about this one? Precious Lord, take my hand Lead me on, let me stand. Oh, yes. Listen to this. I am tired. I am weak. I'm so worn out. You see? You see, all of this has been crammed down us through the years. We've been fed this stuff. See? They even sing, when I die, hallelujah, by and by. And as soon as they start dying, they want prayer. When they start dying, they don't say hallelujah, hallelujah. They say, pray for me, I'm dying. <laughs> Everybody's talking about going to heaven. And when the Lord starts trying to take you, first thing you want to do is stay here. Come on, help me. Woo, glory. Somebody said, oh, I don't have nothing here. Everything I've got is over the river. Well, next time the Lord tries to get you to cross it, quit fighting it. Go on over there and get what belongs to you. Somebody said, everything I've got is over the river. No, it's not. And you know why you don't want to die? Because you know there are things that you've never possessed in God and you don't want to die until you do possess it. You know why Paul could say, I am now ready to be offered? Hallelujah. He said, because I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Whew, glory to God. Somebody was sick the other day and said to me, say, well, I'm sick and I can't seem to get healed, but maybe God's just through with me. I said, how can he be through with you? He never used you yet. Glory. You haven't done nothing yet. How can you be finished? You haven't even started. Smile, honeys. Hallelujah. See, we're programmed. Our heads are programmed for sickness. We think this is God's way of keeping us in shape, keeping us sick. Now, when you get on the helmet of salvation, it won't let you believe that. The helmet of salvation, you know what it does for you? It closes in your mind with God and his spirit and the lies of the enemy cannot penetrate your head. Hallelujah! Come on and clap your hands and praise the Lord. 
The lies of the enemy cannot get in there because your head is covered. Hallelujah. Put on the whole armor of God. I hear people all the time. I'm just broke. Of course, I was born poor, raised poor. Been poor all my life. Going to die poor. And everything's over there in glory. Somebody came along and wrote a song. Many years I've been looking for a place to call home. But I failed here to find it. So I guess I'll travel on. I don't care for fine mansions. Lie, lie, lie. On earth sinking sand. Lies in church. Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. They had a spirit of poverty here. They're not happy with that. They're going to take it all the way to glory with them. <laughs> Woo, glory. <laughs> then poor here, just take it on over there too. Build me a cabin. What I'm doing, I am trying to reverse the programming process in our heads. Do you see what I'm saying? This is where the enemy has been moving in. And he's been taking hold of us. And so, wait a minute. We've been taught the same head that has been taught all of this stuff has also been taught something else. It has been taught to preach judgment to your family. Tell them they're going to be lost. Tell them they're going to hell. Tell them that, that they're going to be destroyed. No, that's not the way you do it. You don't deliver your family like that. What would happen if you walked in and said to your family, hey, you may not know it, but you're going to heaven whether you like it or not. Hallelujah. You may not want to, but you're going anyway. Praise God. Speak their deliverance. Quit condemning them. A lot of our family today is not in church because the church judges wouldn't let them come to church. They wanted to stop them at the door and try to strip them of all their habits before they came in. Let them come on. I don't care how bound they are. Praise God. Let them come and hear the word. The word will set them free. Come on and clap your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to deliver us. Some preachers, if they didn't preach about drinking and smoking and all that stuff, they wouldn't have nothing to preach about. Amen. God wants us to preach about something else. Preach about the deliverance power. Now, I started to tell you, and let me, let me finish this. I'm still trying to finish it. We're in a spiritual battle. How do we take authority and deliver and save our family? How do we do it? By the authority of the Spirit. The authority of the Spirit. And that's done without words. The authority of the Spirit takes place in the Spirit. And when you walk into the presence of members of your family that are bound, you don't have to run up to them and say, you got a devil. The Lord showed it to me. They might show you how big a one they got. Hallelujah. You don't do it that way. You take authority in the Spirit by the Holy Ghost. You bind those evil spirits. How many believe we have the authority to bind the devil? Jesus said, No man can enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods until he first binds the strong man. If we're going to enter into their house with the power of God, this house, we've got to bind this strong man that's been holding them in bondage. That strong man is the power of that spirit, that evil spirit. And let me tell you this, and I'll quit, I think. Pray. I don't want to be lying in church. God knows I'm honest. I'm trying to quit. Listen carefully. 
Some of you have been looking at the members of your family and thinking that they're bound with alcohol. May not be alcohol at all. Remove myself from the judgment seat. I think all Christians need to do that. Some Christians would never drink a beer. They just drink coffee all night so they can stay awake and worry. Are you still here? Your family, they drink beer and go to sleep and quit worrying. Oh, help me, Jesus. We sit back and judge everybody. And want to point a finger. And we'll say that our family is bound by alcohol. It may not be that. Alcohol is produced by a spirit of fear. There's not an alcoholic demon or a demon of alcohol. It's a demon of fear. Caused it because they're afraid to face life sober. Are you hearing me? Somebody said, well, they may want to just be like the rest of the world. That's part of fear. Afraid of being different. Are you still here? Fear. Your children, they're on drugs. There's not a drug demon. No. What produces it? What produces drug addiction? I want you to hear it. That which produces drug addiction is also a spirit of fear and rebellion. I want you to hear it. Some of the members of your family are rebelling. That's why they're on drugs. But they're rebelling, many of them, out of fear. And God wants them to be delivered. But you know what can deliver them? Only you manifesting the love of God. Not judging. Quit coming against the works of the flesh. Some of you are not discerning the spirit. You're only looking at their flesh. You know what you've been battling against? Flesh. That's why you haven't seen any results yet. You've been coming against their flesh bondage, not their spiritual bondage. When you start coming against the spiritual bondage, then the flesh will get free. Discern that spirit that's working. That's why the Lord said this week we're going to cast out evil spirits. Because many of the members of your family are bound by spirits that are producing the works of the flesh that are in them. The works of the flesh that you're seeing manifested in them is being produced by a spiritual battle that's going on in them. And unless that spirit is cast out, they'll never be free. Look, I'm going to show you something. You can take a person off of drugs or alcohol with methadone treatments and of all kinds, but unless the spirit is cast out that has produced that and bound, it will reoccur or either produce another bondage in that person's life, the same spirit. Why? Because you can't treat spirits with physical treatment. They have to be treated with spiritual treatment. You have to bind them in the spirit. We're going to come against those spirits. How many is ready for God to set them free? And do you believe that we have the authority to speak here and God deliver them where they are? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and let's praise the Lord for just a few moments. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Such a wonderful anointing of God that's flowing. Hallelujah. With your hands lifted, I want you to sing it with me, everybody. 
only believe. All things are possible. I believe all things are possible. I'm pastor and prophet of God, Harlow White, here today. I pray you were blessed with today's message. And now let's pray and believe God for a miracle. Heavenly Father, I bring every person that has listened to the message that you gave to me today. I pray for them. And I send the power of your word out to each one of these people. And you said that you sent your word and healed and delivered from all destruction. Heavenly Father, I send out the power of your anointing. Let the bondages of Satan be broken. Let the powers of evil spirits be broken asunder. Let every heart soul, mind, spirit, and physical body be delivered from the powers of the enemy. Right now, bring victory into the life of every person, and I command the miracles to be done right now through the healing virtue of the healing stream of the divine virtue and the anointing of God. Let every person be blessed in their mind, let every person be blessed mentally. Let every person be blessed spiritually. Let every person be blessed domestically. Let every person be blessed physically. Let every person be blessed financially. I speak the word of victory to them today, and I command a miracle to be done in their life. Praise God. Go ahead and praise God for your victory because I feel a great anointing flowing right now. I want you to visit my website, Harlow White. That's H-A-R-L-O. Harlow White, W-H-I-T-E, HealingStream.com. Tell me if you were blessed by God's message today. Tell me what God did for you. And while you're there, visit my donation page and pray about giving a special offering to help me stay on this broadcast. I want to say thank you to everyone that will help me financially to stay on this radio broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I want you to tell your family and friends to listen. A new message will be on this broadcast every week. And don't forget, you can tune in to this broadcast anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And God bless you and take your miracle and take your blessing today. I'll be looking forward to you tuning in next time. I send God's love to you today.